Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and thanks for listening to the Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Sarah Ellis, one of your hosts, and in this week's episode, you'll hear me interview Niran Vinod and Damola Tameon about their new book, How to Build It. And by it, it might mean your personal brand, your side project or hobby, your business, a project at work, or perhaps a combination of all of those things. I've known Niran for a few years, and my impression of both Niran and Amola is they're people who really do let their work do the talking for them. And actually, in their conclusions at the end of their book, there's a sentence that says, talk is cheap, you have to actually do. And I think that sums them both up brilliantly. I love that they really practice what they preach. Their book, I think, which is short and it's practical and it's to the point. And it's one of those things I wish I'd read when we first started Amazing If back in 2013. And I think lots of people will enjoy listening to today's conversation. But I think their book is particularly helpful for anyone who is starting something for the first time. Or you're perhaps still grappling with that question of how do I build my own personal brand? They were both incredibly humble and thoughtful throughout our conversation. And I hope like me, you learn a lot and just come away feeling really inspired by two people just doing brilliant work that we can all learn from. So Naran and Damala, thank you so much for joining us on the Squiggly Careers podcast today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Thanks for having us. Thanks for the invitation. So I thought perhaps where we would start today, you know, I was actually thinking about before this interview, you know, like my favourite brands. And I was thinking, I think over the past five years, my relationship with brands has perhaps changed. I think I'm probably less loyal to brands than ever before, but think much more about kind of what a brand stands for and perhaps what's under the surface of a brand. And when I did start to get to a couple of the brands that I'm like really passionate about, and I always think it's really interesting when do you get to that tipping point of advocating for a brand, like on their behalf, you know, where you're actually prepared to say, I really believe in this company. And actually, I got to quite a short list where almost I was going, yeah, but I, you know, I really believe in this company. Do you think people's relationships with brands have changed over the past couple of years, you know, as people have become perhaps more aware of brands impacts like positively and negatively in terms of that, is that brand acting responsibly? What are those brands doing as part of their community? I think the expectation I guess of brands has has really changed or certainly I see that in my behavior and I wondered what both of your perspective on that was. As a society we talk about brands 
in a slightly different way now. There's more conversation around brands and the impacts that they have and their role in culture and society. So the kind of larger focus on brands means that people are thinking about brands and the impacts those brands have on their lives. I think a little bit more people are expecting brands to stand up and support their communities and contribute in positive ways. And I think that expectation hasn't come from nowhere. I think over time, people have felt that brands do have a responsibility. I think that will only grow because you've got a younger generation that have a different relationship with the brands that they're engaging with. But all of that being said, I don't think there's an expectation that you have to love a brand or you really have to understand the nuts and bolts and the guts of a brand because there are some brands that people don't think about in that way those brands that just serve a purpose some of the brands that we engage with on a day-to-day basis are purely functional it's interesting when we think about brands so the other reason as I mentioned kind of I really enjoyed reading your book is you can apply all of the ideas and kind of lessons to yourself And one of the things that we hear really frequently in our workshops, we hear questions from our listeners, is this idea of personal branding feeling important. I think most people kind of go, it feels like something maybe I should do. But when people say that, it's always with a lot of reluctance, I think. And perhaps feeling like, I don't know where to start. That's something that maybe I feel really uncomfortable with. I don't know if I could do that in a way that would feel authentic to me. And it is one of those terms, isn't it? That's kind of been bandied around a lot in the last kind of couple of years there's numerous articles about how to build your personal brand I think it'd be really interesting to actually maybe perhaps to hear from both of you if people want to think about building their personal brand like why is that important but also how can people do that and how have you both done it like what's been your experience of kind of building your personal brand in a, in a way that's kind of worked for you because I think people would really appreciate those kind of practical insights that, that you'll both have to share Naran, do you want to go first? It's such an interesting one. I think initially when I was establishing my own personal brand, I didn't even call it that. I didn't even know it was a term. Ultimately, in my opinion, your personal brand needs to live off your work. You need to be able to walk the walk. It's not just about talking about how great you are. I think there's a lot of people that don't do that part. It happened organically, but I think it's almost defining what your personal objectives are from an early stage. Like, what are you trying to achieve? I think it's an interesting one because I'm thinking about this personal brand thing more, particularly now once the book has come out and people are responding to different parts of it. And there's certainly a lot of interest around how to build a personal brand. And when I look at Niran, I see someone who has built a personal brand very organically and very successfully. And it's interesting because he's not necessarily gone into it with the purpose of going, I want to have a personal brand that looks like this or feels like that, but he's managed to do it. And I, but I've tried to kind of dissect, well, how has Niran done it? And I haven't got to a, a clear answer, but what I think is really interesting is that personal brand, like a business brand, has to be memorable in order to be successful. And I think some of the best brands, whether it's personal or business brand, have like a clear point of view. And I think Niran has both of those kind of boxes ticked in that I think he has a memorable personal brand. I could probably describe it to anyone who asked and he has a clear point of view. And actually one of the interesting points of view that he has that kind of emerged maybe a few years ago is this idea of being the raisin in a bowl of rice pudding. There's a lot that sits behind that, but it's a point of view 
or an opinion that is distinctive as well. And I think that's another thing about personal brands. They have to be memorable. It's great if you as an individual or as a person has a point of view, but also it has to be different. And I think there's a lot of people out there trying to build personal brands that may forget about the needs to be distinctive in a sea full of people. How do you be the person that is remembered, recognized, and people can kind of recall an aspect of difference in that brand? It's really difficult, but, you know, Niran's managed to to achieve that. So it's not too dissimilar to a high street brands. They're all thinking about the same things. You just have to apply it to your personal circumstances. Yeah, it's interesting because we often say when you're starting to think about your personal brand, ask yourself, what do you want to stand for? How are you going to stand out? And who are you going to stand with? And I think those three questions are, you know, stand for is sort of your purpose and, and values, like what's most important to you, what you're going to have a point of view on, exactly as you've described. How are you going to stand out? I think is the point around distinctiveness and also memorability. I, I kind of really like that kind of thing. That's a really useful build. And then and we'll talk about this kind of stand with, I think, the company that you keep, who you're learning from, how you're going to stretch yourself, I think are all really important. And I think probably the what that doesn't cover, thinking about stand for, with or kind of stand out, is just this underlying sense of everybody who I see who kind of does it well, actually, whether it's an individual or an organisation, there has got to be a sense of got to come from you. It's got to be in your DNA. It's got to feel really true to you. You can't pretend to this stuff. You can't really borrow it. But also you've got to run your own race. And actually you have a section in the book where you talk about kind of the curse of comparison and that that's only going to get in your way. That's not really going to help you as part of this process. We all fall foul of that every so often of thinking, oh, they're doing that a bit better than me or a bit quicker than me or they're a bit shinier than me in kind of some way and there's a kind of sense I think when Naran you were describing it it kind of happened organically and that's probably because you were doing it in your way at your pace as well and kind of worrying a bit less about I don't think with personal brand there's not really like milestones where you can say oh I've ticked that off the list now there's no point where you're going to be done you're all your kind of personal brand is always going to be a work in progress I guess it's kind of one of those things that's quite hard to measure isn't it in terms of am I where I should be where I want to be I agree there and I like what Demado was saying about a point of difference I would say is being yourself we live in an age where everyone's trying to construct this persona of themselves and social mm. definitely plays this big we're trying to curate the perfect lifestyle and I'm definitely seeing a reverse trend now people are trying not to curate too much be themselves and be a bit more away with content and that's why platforms like TikTok have emerged. And I wanted to talk a bit about side projects because I do think there is this interesting sense again which I'd like your perspective of does everybody need a side project now? They just feel like there's this pressure sometimes for just doing your job isn't enough. I suppose all three of us come from a perspective of having spent a lot of time on kind of side projects and I think there are a lot of upsides. Yeah I'd love to just hear a little bit about you know one or two of the side projects you've both kind of worked on maybe why you did them and kind of what you saw with the upsides and then let's chat about maybe does everybody need one or not for me it came from a place of frustration in my day job and having a creative outlet outside of my day job because I was creating things for myself and with my yin and yang team which was a fun no one else was dictating it when I started that project with yin and yang it was nothing to do with money there was no intention to turn it into a business it was a fun creative outlet for us to experiment outside of university when we started it and also just broaden our network which happened naturally 
and it forced us to create and learn new skills in the process. In terms of side projects, for me, it's always shown to employers that my curiosity and entrepreneurial spirit to do things outside of my day job and with my free time. I haven't really had a side project for a good couple of years because fatherhood's taken over and I'm precious about my time on the outside of work. And I think it comes from contentment. I was content with where my life was at. And then this book project came about and that was the first side project I've had in two and a half years. And Damola, how about you? The motivation for these side projects, side hustles or whatever, they've come from different things, whether that's I want to go to Ecuador with my friends age, I think it was 16, 17. I can't remember exactly how old I was. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to raise this money. So let's do something to make that happen. And came up with a nice novel idea. And that was like big side project number one. And, you know, that was financially driven. Then there are other side hustles that were about demonstrating to employers that you're good at what you do or you can self-start so you know some side projects have come from that motivation and then I think the kind of primary motivation for my side hustles at least for the last 10 years the motivation has mainly been just to express myself in a different way so I started off my career as a banker and that wasn't really cutting it for me creatively so I needed an avenue to express myself so I started up a photography community that turned into uh, something slightly bigger and then more recently finding different ways to express myself has you know led to other ideas emerging that turn into something that I didn't quite imagine it would do so I think a lot of the time particularly now the need to express myself and find a creative outlet is a thing driving those side hustles now the thing that I think probably sets Niran and I apart from maybe other people is that you can start something for one reason, but the ability to kind of spot the potential in something and go, actually, there are legs here that you can push whatever this idea is into something else. So for me, for example, with the photography project that I started when I was a banker, that was me living in Edinburgh. I didn't really want to be there. I was creatively frustrated and it was the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I used to be involved in theatre, but I wanted to express myself but couldn't get on stage. So I said, right, okay, I'm going to take a picture every day of the festival and find a way of exhibiting that work in the different shops around the Royal Mall. That then turned into, oh, actually, I don't know how to take a photo for my life. So I'm going to find a way of bringing the community together to help each other kind of learn. That then turned into this collective of photographers and a project that I launched, which is how I met Niran because he is a photographer. I saw his work online and I was like, I'd love to work with this guy and then contacted him on Twitter. These kind of side hustles don't begin as big, ambitious business projects. They often start as something small that you kind of see the potential in and you push it and you push it and you push it until it either collapses or it grows. And I think one of the things that have defined a lot of the side hustles and projects has been that tipping point where you decide, is it gonna be a hobby? Or is it going to be a thing thing? And how do I transition from it just being a hobby to something that can either make money or, you know, produce some amazing work? That transition is tough. It's really difficult. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. In every book that I read, I always think, what's the one idea or phrase that I'm going to steal and share? And in yours, I love this idea of your day ones and your day 100s. So perhaps you could share a bit more about what you mean when you're saying about, yeah, you kind of need your day ones and your day 100s. I don't think you can be successful without team, but I think it's important to recognise that the team that you begin with isn't the team that you necessarily grow with or end with. And I think a lot of people stumble in their journey because they don't necessarily have the right people engaged in their projects at the right time. You know, on day one of your of your idea, who are the people that you need around you? Well, they will be certain types of people. They might just be friends that you use as a sounding board or people that you know that have specific expertise just to get you off the ground. But say your project has gone from day one to day 100 and it's starting to be really successful and, and you think, right, actually there's potential in this idea to go from just a hobby to a business, for example, you probably need different people to kind of take it to that next step. And that's where you have to consider what, who are your day 100s? Who are the people that are going to help you accelerate the growth of this idea or this business? There is a difficult decision to be made at that point. Do you keep your day ones in order to get from day 100 to forever. So I think as someone who wants to build something, you've got to recognize that you need different kinds of people at different parts of the journey. And you know, you might be the right person at day one and you might be the right person at day 100. And Naren, you and I both have the fact that we are introverts in common, I think. Sometimes people have a challenge with when they do kind of identify as being more introverted, how do you build a network in a way that kind of works for you and you use a lovely phrase in the book that we also often kind of share which is you know your network is your net worth and I just wondered if you had any kind of advice for our listeners of how you've made that kind of work given again perhaps it's not maybe not your favorite thing to do I don't know yeah for me the introversion side I struggle with big stages and going on large events right one on one I really enjoy so when I was running the site I had to go constantly do PR meetings with brands, PR agencies, or internal PR. 
And that helped build up my confidence of who I am and how I'm going to present myself. And the more you do it, the better you get. I've always said that if you don't ask, you don't get. And the more you do it, you build up this rejection muscle. You get used to rejection. And I tell people, like, you might get, you might get rejected 99 times, but that one person could change everything. So for me, it was really about building that muscle up. And then over time, I'm really not scared to email anyone or DM anyone on Twitter if I need to. I share in the book around how to approach people, especially in email. I've had essays from people. It's difficult. I've always tried to make time to respond to people, but I don't write back with an essay. Being a short, snappy and clear of like what you're trying to get out, but also being sincere and understanding people have limited time and are busy. We started actually, before we started recording today, you said it's always fascinating to know which parts of a book that you've written resonate with your readers. But I'd love to know from you both, which is your favourite part of the book? So which is the bit that either you maybe enjoyed writing the most or, I don't know, that you'd recommend? Hmm, that's, that's a great question. The bit I enjoyed writing the most, I think, was the beginning, the setup, like the reason why this is something that makes sense for other people to pick up and read and the kind of motivations for writing the book because it reminded me, actually, of my experience and the benefit of sharing our knowledge and experience and Niran's a huge proponent of the idea of you know paying it forward and I think also just reflecting on that that part of the book and I think Niran wrote that section it, it was it means a lot I think to pay it forward and make sure that you're pulling up the ladder you know, which is something that I speak about in the book as well just helping people navigate through that path. I was going to echo the same thing the paying it forward section probably for me it's representative of the whole book for us. It is a way of sharing what we've learned over the last years between us. One thing I would say is actually that the most terrifying bit to write with the, for me um, anyway, was the bit around communicating or sharing your brand with the world, because there are a lot, there are people with lots of different opinions about how you do that well. And coming from an agency background where, you know, we're naturally cynical, we read a lot of theory and we do a lot of practice in terms of communicating Putting pen to paper on that was pretty frightening because you you almost you're challenging yourself to kind of take what you've learned over that period of time and do it justice. And you know that people that either you've worked with or maybe people in the industry might read anything. I, I wonder what they think. So that was that bit for me was quite terrifying. I think I wrote that section like five or six times. I'd like to just finish by asking you both to share your best pieces of career advice. If you don't ask, you don't get. That's been my whole career in advertising. And I think it's so true of this industry. It's really about reaching out, connecting with people, but also being brave enough to put yourself out there. Uh, I love that bit of advice from Niran, actually. And ever since writing the book and hearing that from him, I, I'm trying to do more of that myself. And it has worked. So for anyone who's listening, it's not just words. It, it's actually useful and it's effective. My best bit of career advice or the best bit of career advice given to me was from my old boss, Ben Shaw. It was know when to cash in your chips. So if you're in a career, know when the right time to stick or twist is to leave or to stay and know where you're going to cash in those chips as well. So yeah, know when to cash in your chips. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Next week, we're going to be talking about self-belief. 
something that we know from talking to our community on Instagram, lots of people struggle with and keep coming back to. So we thought it was a topic worth delving into. And as a reminder, if there are any topics that you'd ever like us to cover on the podcast, please let us know. We're just at AmazingIf on Instagram, or you can just email us if that's easier. We're Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com. And as ever, if you get those five minutes to rate us and perhaps even better, leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. A, it makes our day, but it also does mean that we can keep sharing Squiggly with more and more people. That's everything for this week. Thank you so much for listening and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.